major spoilers theme song. The major spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The major spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew I'm Rodrigo, and I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the major spoilers podcast, 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 The major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you could join us this weekend. Matthews. Do we have a shout-out? Oh, yeah, we do have a shout-out this week. Who does the show go out to this week? This week's Major Spoilers Podcast. <laughs> Saturday edition is brought to you by Scott Hunter. There you go. Thank you very much, Scott, for contributing a $10 or more to the Major Spoilers cause. A lot of people jumping on... That, as well as the people jumping on the recurring donations to five or ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Got a question. I was thinking people about Rachel Ghoul. Uh huh. Rachel Ghoul, as has- well, you should, detective. Why does Rachel Ghoul? Rachel Ghoul wants to uh, cut down on the population mm-hmm. so that the planet doesn't, we don't use up its resources and kill the planet. Right. It seems kind of noble in a criminal sort of way, uh-huh. right? Euthanasia, the only way we're going to save the planet. So there's somebody that, I mean, we don't see somebody like him in real life, right? Um, what about Lex Luthor? Lex Luthor's mad scientist or a mad businessman mm-hmm. is the way he's portrayed now. And Dr. Savannah, do fictional villains, these kind of megalomaniac people exist in real life? Do because we, we don't really see, we see the terrorist type people who will build the bomb and actually blow up the the place, as right. opposed to I want ten million dollars or I will blow up the preschool. Well, and and I think that's it. I think that's the real version of the super criminal with a with a huge agenda are basically terrorists. Mm-hmm. You know, you get religious terrorists, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, people saying our religion is right, your religion is wrong, die. Right. You get eco-terrorists who are mm-hmm. saying, this is doing bad things for the environment, so die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like that. But we don't see, like, one person. We don't see the Lex Luthor. We don't see Bill Gates. D- don't we? Standing up I- on I'm top of I'm pretty sure the- that until some Marines put a bullet in his brain, well, we did. Well, that's what I'm wondering. You know, are, are, the, are the Husseins and the Qaddafis and the, you know, the Taliban leaders of the world, do they fit into this as, I mean... Really? I mean, do they fit into that stereotype of of a super the villain, comic book supervillain kind of thing? I mean, I'm not talking about people, you know, like Gaddafi walking around in an armored bodysuit, you know, well, trying to I fight. I think what Superman. it really breaks down to is in comic books and in fictions and in you know James Bond movies, we have a clear delineation of where evil is right. or what right and wrong are. And in the real world, you don't really have that because even with somebody who, you know, does something horrific and, you know, awful and flat out evil, like, you know, the gentleman who got shot in the head recently, you also have to realize that there are a whole lot of people who looked at that act and said, woohoo hero mm-hmm. because of, you know, their perspective on it. I don't think that, Anybody is ever going to look at like Dr. No and go woohoo hero. You don't have anybody following, you know, I don't know, uh, Vandal Savage around and saying woohoo, you know, Vandal Savage has, you know, a whole fan base. And I think that the reason why 
supervillains and that supervillain archetype are so much fun is simply because we almost never get that clean perspective in real life. I was having a, a discussion with someone today who didn't know my politics and he presumed that I shared his politics and he brought up, you know, something and he went, yeah, that's, you know, in that, uh, hey, pal, we're all in on the joke. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I just kind of brushed it off as I do pretty much any discussion of that type. But my actual views, had they come up, would have been diametrically opposed to what he was saying. Right. Now, that does that mean I'm right? Does that mean he's wrong? Obviously, yes. <laughs> but also, <laughs> also, you know, it's a matter of, I don't think that you can say that real supervillains exist solely because as much as someone like Dr. Doom is the hero of his own story, even the most horrific, terrible human being you can think of, within reason, obviously. I'm not talking about your Ted Bundys or your John Wayne Gacy's, but someone who is, you know, that that polarizing presence, generally there are people who will follow them and support them and have what they believe to be perfectly rational reasons why they follow and support them. Do you think in the fictional world... You know, here we have followers. Uh, we might call them cultists. We might call them fanatics, whatever, that follow a particular person. Spoilerites. Spoilerites, sure. <laughs> um, in the fictional world, it seems like the villains have minions, right? People that work under them, work for them, do their dirty deeds, whatever. Aren't minions small onions? Yes. Um, okay. But do you think that there is... In the world, let's say Lex Luthor, for example, maybe the, the question answers itself with Lex Luthor, uh, that the general public might go, yeah, Lex Luthor isn't such a bad guy. Yeah, he does some bad things every once in a while, and he goes to jail and does his crime, but he's not such a bad guy. Let's elect him president. Or do you think that they look at a Savannah type or a Ra's al Ghul guy and go, Ra's, we understand where you're coming from. You're okay. You know, I, 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 I align myself with your politics, even though I'm not going to be one of your minions. I, I think... Well, I I think that they do because people do join these like fringe hardcore organizations, right. which again are not as clear cut mm-hmm. as a bunch of guys wearing beekeeper helmets, right? right. You know, doing science right. for evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but science, science. But you you do you do get that, and you know people get get these things into their heads, and really in. It's funny because you used to have supervillains who were really clear, clear-cut evil. Right. But I think the more popular villains now, the the, the villains that most resonate and, and people find most interesting are the ones that aren't so clear-cut. Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor kind of still being a an, an, an exception to that, although they keep trying to make him more relatable. Wh- which way do you like Lex Luthor, though? Do you like him as the crazed maniac with the power suit or do you like him as the businessman who does the things he does because he's trying to protect us from the evil alien superman i I don't like him quite as either i like him as that polar opposite of of superman Mm -hmm. as you know him being not as strong but way smarter than superman Mm -hmm. as him being somebody who is entirely willing to deal like everything that superman is lex luthor isn't and vice versa Mm -hmm. you know lex luthor entirely deals with intermediaries Mm -hmm. lex luthor does not get his hands dirty lex luthor never makes a fist Mm -hmm. because he has somebody that's like you there you make a fist at <laughs> Superman and curse his alien face. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. That's that's the kind of Lex Luthor I like. Okay. All right. Um, because that I think that that makes him scarier. Mm-hmm. You know, the moment that Lex Luthor puts on a green power suit, it makes him less scary in my in my mind. Um, I agree. But yeah, so you have like your Rachel Ghoul, right? Right, right? Who really has the noble goal of saving the planet. Right. It's just his methods usually involve killing a lot of people. You have your yeah. Apocalypse who wants who only wants what is already happening, which is the strong surviving. He mm-hmm. only wants that because then or, or rather he achieves that by killing a lot of people. Magneto, you know, uh has been stepped on his whole life and only wants to bring his people out of the darkness right. by killing a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So all of these guys have these noble goals, but they just execute them in a villainous way. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's the whole, like, uh, Magneto versus Charles Xavier, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they both want mutants to uh, to ascend above where they are now. It's just that Charles Xavier wants them to just be equal to people, mm-hmm. and Magneto wants them to be superior. Right. The homo superior. Right. But do you, do you find, you said something interesting there, that these are villains that have noble intentions but they Mm -hmm. just do it the wrong way do you have a favorite villain that falls into that category if you had to align yourself with one villain as yeah i kind of like his politics and way of thinking and the way he's brought up um well if i was gonna align myself with some villain it probably would be luthor because i bet he has a he has really good plans for his employees um, and he very rarely he Lex Luthor is very rarely the kind of villain, although he has been, but very rarely portrayed as the kind of villain who's like, "You have failed me for the last time." Right, Pew! right, right, right. Right. He's more of the like, "You're fired." Mm-hmm. You know, like, Meh. and by fired, he means I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Matthew? You have a, a take on the villains in I... the in the comic book universe? Sure, I have a number of them. I think if I had to break it down, the the a couple of things that you've discussed really have a lot to do with perspective. And it's hard to remember that we as the purveyors and the consumers of the fictions mm-hmm. have omniscient point of views. Right. right. We see everything Lex Luthor does and we hear him and we read his thought balloons and we know Lex Luthor is evil because Lex Luthor himself knows that he is evil. We don't have that luxury in real life. If I were to work for any villain ever, I would probably have to say Magneto simply because there's a 50-50 chance if you work for Magneto that you're going to end up on the side of good and working for the X-Men in 10 issues anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always want to take that shot to be the next, you know, new mutant or something. Uh, okay. That would be sweet. I already have I guess for me it would name. be Raish. I think he's the most interesting villain mm-hmm. because, again, he has the noble intention of I want to save this planet and all the living life on the planet. He doesn't want to wipe out Depending humanity. Writing him. Well, th- that's true. Yeah, that's true. But the times that I have read him, even going so far as when he unleashed the virus uh, that almost killed uh, Tim Drake during... Mm -hmm. uh, No Man's Land. Well, no, it was before that. Uh, Contagion. Contagion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Contagion. It was after No Man's Land. Oh, okay. The reason why he wanted to, you know, essentially do that is he doesn't want to wipe out humanity. He just wants to bring humanity down to a point where it's not overusing its resources. Right. He's really... 
all about population control. Mm-hmm. Now he's going about it by let me release a virus that kills, <sighs> you know, two thirds of the population. Right. And because everybody will be in when, such chaos and disarray, I'll be the one that can step up as the leader and guide humanity mm-hmm. in ways of population control and not killing the planet and resources and those kinds of but things. When you're dealing with mass murder on a global scale, do the ends really have any input? I mean, honestly, Pol Pot killed 20,000 right, people. Right, right, And, you know, he's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Uh, if Rachel Ghoul killed two and a half million people to save a million people, he still killed two and a half yeah. million people. You're absolutely oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, and that's why they're villains. Yeah, and that's why they're bad guys. And that's why we're not out and, there. And that's why I'm glad that and, we don't have yeah. and, you know, people around who succeed in doing those things. I mean, you know, if you get up to someone with a weapon of mass destruction, somebody well, for Glenn Beck. steps in. Well, yeah, unfortunately, someone steps in and put puts their thumb down on that that little spot and says it's time to get rid of that well and 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 it's funny we and you know comics bring this up constantly mm-hmm. you know do the ends justify the means do the ends justify the means of the and and we see so many stories because the answer is relatively easy which is to Maybe. say no mm-hmm. if like a lot of murder is involved right right, right. maybe yes if some murder is involved mm-hmm. yes if no murder is involved right, right. i think the, the the general population <laughs> is like yeah yeah i can well, roll with this like oh look at batman like sacrificing someone else to yeah, do yeah. something super awesome the ends justify the means it's like oh look at rachel gould trying to kill the entire population of north central and south america <laughs> the ends do not justify right, right, right. the means well that's what makes lex luthor kind of interesting because he could use his power and his resources mm-hmm. to make the world a utopia without having to kill anyone. Yep. And yet he still says, he let me kill some people. And that's, and let me and that's the thing. Most of these guys, cool. and, 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 you know, going back to the real world, part of the reason why we don't have actual supervillains that we know of <laughs> um, is because nobody, nobody has that much money. Nobody yeah. has that much money to waste on absolutely ridiculous schemes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's why the people that or do the most damage <laughs> the people that do the most damage are the ones who barely cobble together a pipe bomb and sneak it into a yeah. subway, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not guys who are building killer robots. Yeah, because you think that they have better things to do? Because well, first I mean off, somebody 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 is alive today. That could build the killer robot army and has probably even built a killer robot and said, eh, I'll as, go build an iPad instead. As you well know, I'm a big fan of Futurama. Right. There's a great episode in which uh, they're going back and forward with the shares for Planet Express mm-hmm. and they keep like increasing in value and decreasing in value. So all of a sudden, all of the shares for Planet Express skyrocket in value and Leela looks at her shares and goes, I'm rich. Suddenly, I have an opinion about the capital gains tax. <laughs> and I think that most people who would be supervillains, who maybe when they were young, they were like, I hate what people are doing to whales. Someday I will grow up and use all of the money that I'm inheriting from my parents and grandparents to be a savior of whales, and I will destroy every ship on the ocean, and I will cripple every oil-making company. And then they start doing, and they get money, and they buy an iPad, and they're like, I like iPads. It's like, 
and then they're like, well, I don't want to do any of this stuff because then I can't have an iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like now I have yeah. now I have oil money. Mm-hmm. Like my parents were making oil money. I don't want to take get rid of oil rigs. Like money does that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to protect your money. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's not even that money you know does what's... that to you. Everybody tries to protect their sources of food and and you know pleasure and everything else. Right. What were you going to say, Matthew? What's really fascinating to me about the whole Lex Luthor kingpin school of thought, the I shall use my influence and power and money to go wah, 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 wah. It's another transition uh, of of, uh, story element from comic books uh, illegitimate stepsister, the soap opera, the J.R. Ewing, you know, Alan Quartermain evil millionaire stereotype didn't really originate in comics. It originated in soap operas, which as you know, are basically comics for women who are slightly older. And I think that it's fascinating to see that cross-pollination because now you actually see flat-out supervillains on the soap operas and the old-school soap opera, you know, capitalists, uber-gooks. That's not the right word. I apologize what that word is. The uber-capitalist guys, edit that out, Steve. The uber capitalist guys. Oh no, we're just blaming all the drugs. <laughs> it's hydrocodone, people. It's hydrocodone with a prescription. I have a terrible toothache. So yeah, I apologize. That was not the word I meant to say. I don't even know that that's a word. <laughs> so, where were we? Capitalists and, and uh, Saturday morning uh, cartoons. Cartoons, yeah. And also interesting to me, Something else that when you talk about the supervillain you have to take into account is old school supervillains were always scientists. Yes, yeah, definitely. It was always like the guys who knew something the common man didn't were obviously evil. And now it seems like the scientists are the heroes or the heroes are becoming scientists, especially at Marvel, to where the villains end up being the average, you know, blue collar guys. They end up being the guys who would have been the superheroes in the 40s, like the Shocker. Mm-hmm. Shocker is just some dude named Herman. In, in 1941, he would have been drawn by Will Eisner and he would have been fighting Reed Richards and Reed Richards would have been the evil guy. And surprisingly, if you're reading The Ultimates... He is the evil guy. So there you go. Or watching Venture Brothers. So yeah. That's Red- that's not that's not the, the ultimate universe everything you know is wrong. Even if you know it's wrong, you know it's wrong and it's wrong that you know it. Rodrigo. Hello. This past week there was a bit of controversy up on the internet. Uh-huh. Little website calls uh-huh. Gizmodo that I am uh uh, very familiar, familiar with. with. Very familiar with. Hello. Hello, Gizmodo. We Hello, meet Gizmodo. again. Gizmodo, we meet again. And if you would like for me to write for you again in the near future, you know how to contact. <laughs> um, one of their writers. But this time. A female writer. Is mine. Took it upon herself to write an article about. Um, a date that, a, she, a went date that she went on. With someone who plays Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. And how. When she learned that he was a Magic the Gathering person, apparently she was just so turned off that she could not stand him. Now, what's interesting about this article that she's written is we've heard this story before. Remember, uh-huh. we've read on one of the podcasts not too long ago. I think it was from our, our good friend, uh, Bronco. Yeah. Said that, you know, he had Killed this him encounter. a borrow when he was only three. <laughs> yes, he did. 
had that encounter mm-hmm. where he met a girl, and then she, I think it was Bronco, if I'm mistributing it. I, I'm else, pretty sure it was Bronco. Where he mentioned that he liked Magic Gathering, and she was just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. That was Warhammer, I think. Yeah, Warhammer or something. Too. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's amazing to see this article um, because... It's it's entirely from her point of view. You know, a lot of the time you get it from because we are nerds and we talk to other nerds. What? I'm a nerd? <laughs> Why am I just finding this out now? Oh, Wait a minute, no. I'm balding, I'm forty, I'm fat, I live in I'm working in my basement. <laughs> you are surrounded by uh it was comic your books basement. And comic and scantily books and clad women scantily clad statuettes. <laughs> my collection of porn is vast. <laughs> yes. Go ahead, I'm sorry to uh um. So we you often get it as you know, it's like, well, I went out with this girl, and then she found out that I liked that you know this stuff, and she broke up with me. And you're like, well, I wonder if there weren't any other factors. But it's great to get it from the other side. It's right. great to get it from somebody who is just that cartoon stuck-up girl, you know, and and basically fesses up to it and and says, you know, doesn't even say that. You know, basically, she starts out and, and, and she's talking about how he, like, infiltrated his way into OkCupid. Okay like, OkCupid okay <laughs> should keep nerds out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, talks about how, like, he didn't mention at first that he was like, uh, 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 okay, because the guy that she went out with is a world champion magic player. John Finkel. Right. He is a guy who has earned money playing magic right. he is a guy who ha- actually has his own card mm-hmm. like when you win a world's championship you get your own card so you get you to won design the world a card you'd be like there'd be a character called the lopez or something no they there would be a, a super cool card that i got to design oh okay and then they would paint my face into it and actually if you go to the gizmodo article they have his his oh, card cool. up there cool um and you can tell which cards have been done by uh by the world champions because a they tend to be really good uh-huh and B, they look way stiffer than the art in every other one because they're like actual, yeah, you know, paint yeah, yeah. renderings things. I, I would bet if you won a, 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 a the world championship, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. that you would probably invent I don't some wild idea for a card like a two sided card. You yeah, invite, something, like, something that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- this is, the, you know, the, this girl. I don't know if do you think she's trying to be funny. Or because she comes off as one of the, you know, quite frankly, you know, and, I, and I'm and i hoping that, well, apparently a lot of people think of this the same way. She just comes off as this CB that is just like, ah, oh, like, can you believe they let nerds into OK Cupid? I mean, am I right, girls? Come on, you know, kind of thing. And she just comes off as this terrible, yeah. terrible person. If you read the article, is like he has one kind of a faux pas in that there was a show that he wanted to see. It was a one-man show based on Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, okay. And he takes her yeah, That's probably to not it. where you would it's, take a girl on the first date. That is a bad idea. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. 100% a bad idea. But but the two aren't interconnected. No, they're not. And, and even in the article, she doesn't draw a connection between them. Right. You know... She she is massively turned off by the fact that this guy plays Magic the Gathering, and it's it's just really amazing. And uh, like, uh, let's this is this is from the article. Um, maybe I'm an okay Cupid asshole for calling it that way. Maybe I'm shallow for not being able to see past John's world title. I'll own that. 
But there's a larger point here that judging people on shallow stuff is human nature. One person's magic is another person's fingernail biting, or sports obsession, or verbal tick. No online dating profile in the world is comprehensive enough to highlight every person's picadillo, or anticipate the inane biases that each of us lugs around. There's no snapshot in the world that can account for our snap judgments. Well, there's probably also not a category on OKCupid that says, are you a bitch? Or are you a dick? Yeah. Well, I mean, hang on. She's not. She's not I'm, a bitch. No. But here's what I'm it just is. saying. There's not a category for marking that either. Here's the th- thing that you're looking at here, and I'm going to say first of all, this woman is perfectly within her rights to be all high and mighty. About oh, sure, she is. and she does come she off as for very condescending and very high and mighty. That's her thing. But this is the thing. She, uh, from the con- the context, I believe she's a professional writer. And I, I, I'm getting this kind of, of Elaine Bennis picture of her as a professional writer, as somebody, you know, who's on the East Coast who wants to grow up and work for the New Yorker. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I read this, and you know what I think? What? John what? dodged his ass a bullet. <laughs> oh, certainly. <laughs> because a, a second date would have obviously been a problem. This is not the woman for him. And somewhere out there is a Barney Stinson for this woman who's going to be perfect, and she's going to go find him. I think the problem here is that she doesn't come out and call him a nerd. She doesn't come out and say that. And part of her problem seems to be not the fact that he plays magic, but that he plays a collectible card game to the point where he is a title holder. I think her. I really feel that her, her main issue here is that somehow playing a game for a living, being the world champion of this game, air quotes, excuse me. It is the problem. Not necessarily that it's magic, presumably for a living, and that this is his thing. I mean, I can see her... You know her 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 bias here, but I can also see she's writing in a particular voice. It may not be her voice, and if you read through this, she's writing it from a very sardonic point of view. And again, that's fine. It's the internet douche. You know these things happen. I think the fact that she hit a particular, you know, a segment of the demographic who already takes a lot of crap because the nerd demographic, you know, we do get a lot of flack for a lot of things is where this problem comes in. I think that this is honestly not even really a complete thought. If I was going to break it down and, and copy edit this, I would have many points because my my whole thing is, where's your angle? What are you saying here? What it really breaks down to is, I sure did have a bad date, boo Awesome. Uh, I'm going to need a little bit more in this piece if you actually want me to put it up anywhere but on the interwebs. I don't know. See, but the thing it's is, also, it's not even... There... Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, it's it's not even, I sure had a bad date. It's like, after I had a date, I went and Googled this guy and retroactively made it a bad date because I didn't know I was do- dating yep. a dweeb. And here's the thing. Apparently, Gizmodo has multiple websites yes. for multiple they're countries. Part of, they're part mm-hmm. of Gawker Media, and they have right. a vast empire of, of websites, including... Somebody and somebody Otaku. found the Australian version of the article, and it's way meaner. So clearly, some editor did get a hold of it beforehand. 
because <laughs> it is it is caustic. Oh, really? Yeah. Like what? Mm-hmm. Do, do you remember? What well, she actually it? calls him a dweeb in it. She leaves oh. out his name, mm-hmm. but is is straight up just uh, very very acerbic towards the whole thing. Well, I'm- in this one though, yeah. she puts his name back in, which is awful. That you can, you know, to to go on a date with someone, and even if the date doesn't go well, to have somebody call you out publicly on the internet. You know, she's got a several articles over at Gizmodo about OkCupid, and she's basically saying in another article, it's like, I can't believe the number of assholes that are listed in OkCupid, mm-hmm. and why, I, I'm wondering if she doesn't, you know, that if that's her angle, mm-hmm. I will bring down OkCupid. I'm the OkCupid girl. Well, yeah. Exactly. She's the normal girl who goes out and finds all these freaks, and whatever their thing is, she has to really, really blow it up so that it looks worse than it is. It's cute. I don't necessarily think that, again, I'm not primarily a magic player, but I'm also not really all that afraid of random women calling me a nerd. I, 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 It feels like the piece is, is written more about condescension for guys than it is condescension for guys who play magic sure if that makes sense yeah i can see you know that. but i can definitely see people being upset about it and i think that they have every right to be upset about it she has every right to say these awful things but she also you know will probably have these things come back around if she you know someday ends up marrying a guy or well not uh, i don't know the the best the best thing about it is really that if she was writing this for Cosmopolitan magazine, that would be one thing. But she's writing this for Gizmodo, right? Which is crawling with nerds, <laughs> from what I understand. <laughs> so it's <laughs> well, okay. Let me let me put this, and I'm not going. I'm not going to defend her. Mm-hmm. She's you know she's entitled to her comments, but even the comments that we make, mm-hmm. especially comments that I make, right, often anger people, right, listeners, readers, whatever. Right, Gizmodo. Mm-hmm. It's not a written policy, but there is a policy of push buttons, push people's buttons. Mm-hmm. Because when you push people's buttons, mm-hmm. what happens? You get hits. You get hits. Uh, this article right you now. You get people talking. You get people talking. Just this article right now has over fifteen hundred comments mm-hmm. made by it. Fifteen hundred comments. On a, I went on a date and I went on a date with a guy who plays Magic the Gathering. 1,500 comments. Amazing. Yeah. Now, Rodrigo, you write an article about your date with someone that, that plays Pac-Man all the time. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you we're not going to get 1,500 comments. Probably not. But if, if you were working for a site who routinely pushes buttons, who routinely pushes the edge of the envelope in terms of decorum and good taste and walks the line between journalism and infotainment, mm-hmm. Gizmodo is one of those sites. Right. And they have been in trouble, and they have been the center of attention many a times over many of their antics, many of their stunts, many of their articles that they have done that initially caused people to be very, very angry at them, but then it ends up benefiting them in the long run because now they have even more readers right. of the site. And I could go down the list of Gizmodo faux pas, or maybe, uh, and I don't think they're faux pas. I think they're actually tactical cal- strikes. They're actually calculated tactical strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, 
Um, one of their big ones that got a lot of people talking over the w- weekend and basically doubled their their traffic for a month was um, oh I don't even know if he's in charge anymore. Um, but he he put a post up that says, "Hey, we've got the news on the new iPhone. It's coming out on Monday. We're going to tell you all the news on Monday." And he put this up on Friday into the day. And all weekend long, everybody stewed about it. How do they know about the iPhone? How do they know about the iPhone? And this is long before the first iPhone had ever come out. Right. Right? And what happened Monday morning? Hey, and I forget the company, XY Skype or some some, some smaller company. Hey, they've just in, introduced the iPhone because they technically own the name iPhone. And here is their product called iPhone that you can use for VoIP phone calls ha 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 see how we got you guys all fooled but we really didn't fool you because we told you the truth the entire time wow and people were pissed off at them for weeks and months and yet didn't bother them because a month later they still had higher traffic than they did the month before yep uh another time they had a uh one of their writers i don't know if he's still writing for them went to the consumer electronics show with this uh uh, one of these old uh, universal remotes that turn off everything. You know, you've probably seen these on commercials where, oh, the the neighbor is too loud with their right, TV. Right. You're in the bar and you're not what, liking the show. Use this remote to turn it off. Well, he and his video cohort thought it would be funny to go to these booth demos and right in the middle of these presentations, turn off the TVs that they were using to present. Jeez. Or there's a huge wall of JVC TVs turning them all off at once and then laughing hysterically and videotaping while the people running the booth were trying to figure out how to turn the TVs back on and, and so on and so forth. And they videotaped it and put it up on Gizmodo, thinking it was hysterical. Right. And to an extent, maybe it was, but it was certainly as Hattery that, again, put a big, shiny black eye on Gizmodo. But did it bother them? No. In fact, they hailed this person and, and made him a, a celebrity of the moment mm-hmm. uh, and um, got those hits. So... While she may be, and maybe she's flavoring her story mm-hmm. about dating this nerdy geek who plays magic and girls, how can you date a guy that does this kind of stuff? It is probably very planned. Mm. Okay. There are editors every step of the way at Gizmodo, yeah. and you don't write an article without three fact checkings or having three editors go through and mark up your stuff. Uh, or at least a couple of editors go through and mark up your stuff. So from that perspective, that might give you guys a little bit of an idea of what goes on at Gizmodo. I can't tell you how I know, but I have written for them before. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how you know me. Well, that's one of the ways that mm. I know. But I know that if they want to push buttons and they know they can get hits, they will do it. Mm-hmm. And they're not, apo- they're not uh, apologetic about it. So does that excuse this? Rodrigo? I think it even less excuses it. Okay. Uh, you know, it it maybe explains it, but it doesn't excuse it, certainly. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I'm not... I don't read a lot of blogs or listen to a lot of pod-type casts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he, that I found out about it is, is, is even surprising. So this this really has people up in a, up in arms. Um, and, and I think it's it's really... Because at no point in the in the story does he say, oh, let me teach you how to play magic. Or, oh, I have to leave this date because I have to go play magic. Mm-hmm. It's completely inc- like tangential to it. Right, right, right. Um, 
Now, was this a tactical strike to get Magic the Gathering nerds to come into Gizmodo and give them a 10,000 hits? Maybe. I can I can definitely see that. And and really the fact that previous versions of the article exist out there in in people's caches mm-hmm. um where the article is different goes to show that that might very well be the case. That maybe they she's having some remorse and changed it. Or that the editor was like, well, you know, now that we've gotten these pissed off nerds, maybe we don't want to piss them off quite that much because we do want them to come back. Right. So right. tone it down, use his name so that people searching for him will come to Gizmodo. She has not worked with uh, Gizmodo for very long. I'm, you know, people, you know how the internet is. She's only worked there since June. You know how the internet is? They go out and they like track these people down mm-hmm. that, that piss them off. I'm pretty sure somebody found her thing on LinkedIn and she's an intern. And probably not. Not with, what has she got? She's got, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, She's got about 20 articles. So she's writing about one article every other week mm-hmm. um, for the site. And it doesn't look like interns type stuff. And they typically don't hire interns. They hire writers and your right. writers. Just like when we bring somebody on board to write, we have you write for a couple of months and then we give you better access and then better access. And then pretty soon Rodrigo's running crazy going, I'm going to do this on the side and no one's going to stop me. Pretty kind much of stuff. Right. Um, so she's probably a writer mm-hmm. and she's a female writer, which are always good on tech sites because that's another way to bring in mm-hmm. people. Um, so, yep. Everybody likes a pretty font. Yes, they certainly do. So Alyssa Burisnak, and she's listed as an editor, so she's got a little bit higher position than oh, there you go. just a writer. Um, I hope your 15 minutes of fame is worth it. Oh, anything else you guys want to add? I think that there's no sense in obsessing over this because haters going to hate. If you give them the, the satisfaction of knowing that you're bothered by it, you just basically lost. Yeah, when you first pointed it out to me, I was like, yeah, and? It's just like, this is not... This is not uncommon. Uh, see, and that's the thing is like that, that was, from my point of view, that was what was amazing about it is that it's so matter of fact. That right. nerdy dweebs are nerdy. I, I thought, and, and it's probably because that's exclusively the people <laughs> that I hang out with. Yeah. And because also with, I also hang out with nice older ladies at work who are very accepting of whatever the crap I'm doing. Right. Um, that I just assume that people are okay with this. That if somebody is like, I play Magic the Gathering, somebody else will be like, well, I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah, yeah, Um, As opposed to like, ugh. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that that very matter of fact, like, did you guys know that there are guys who play Magic the Gathering on dating websites? Don't they screen those things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's prejudice. Where it, that's where it comes out as it's just prejudice. Being it's stupid. like, it replace, like, don't, don't, don't do it now, but replace guy who plays Magic the Gathering with any ethnic or religious affiliation or, or or type and it's it and and oh, then yeah, it's it official very, actual prejudice yeah, yeah it really does right it, it really does come off as i look down the masthead of uh, gizmodo uh all of the people that i have known 
no longer work there or right. are listed on here, with the exception of one, mm-hmm. uh, who's now the senior contributing editor and art director. Sure. Everybody else is gone. So all the people whose names I couldn't remember wouldn't even be selling their reputation because they've moved on to something else. <laughs> all the people whose names I couldn't remember, I didn't remember, but they're they not all, They all left Gizmodo and moved to Canada and then died, so you wouldn't know them anyway. <laughs> of all the great and people you, who knew all kinds of stuff about technology, and then they were like, they offered me a job, but I didn't take it <laughs> at the space station. Actually, I don't know if... I've got an article in there that's got to be from six years ago. So... Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And it's a shame that outer space, it's a shame that it's a shame that there are people out there like that, but it does not surprise me that there are people out there like that. Um, it's just the fact of the world. And I think that, I mean, we've all kind of talked about that before on the show that we have all experienced that at some point in time and have been the subject of that mental, physical, social abuse mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the fact that it, it is on a, on a big site is surprising. The fact that it's on Gizmodo is not surprising. Hmm. So, um, I'll let that be for what it is. Good enough? Works for me. Good enough. Matthew, Word. this week what we up, saw homie? something awesome happen. Something, something. that we haven't seen Awesome! Something we haven't seen at DC Comics uh, in nigh on wrong. ten years. Oh please! Something we closer. haven't seen at Marvel Comics in about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I find that that is so fascinating. Here, DC comes out as we're giving all of our titles new number ones. We're doing a relaunch. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a reboot. They're two different words. Look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> These are all new number ones. This is all new, all different. Again. A boot. But then at the same time, Marvel's over there snickering. Oh, you wouldn't see us release 52 number ones. And yet quietly, they have, I think we're up to now, maybe a dozen new number one titles uh-huh. that have been announced. And it won't surprise me by the end of the year, they will have probably about 30 new number one titles that they've relaunched. Right. Quietly. Not all at once, but just a little bit here and there. Um, and this idea of relaunches is, is rather interesting, Matthew. It is. And I, I, uh, I am an inherently positive person. I think a lot of the time, if you come to me and you say, this new thing is over here and I'm not immediately going to be that guy who goes, sorry, we're closed. And I think that there's a lot of negativity, you know, to it. People say it's a reboot, as right. though reboot inherently means bad, as though there's some sort of value dating a judgment guy that plays magic together. Exactly, you're dating a reboot. Well, and I started thinking about you know specific reboots or relaunches or revampings, and how a lot of them actually aren't a bad thing, and some of them were pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, say for instance, when I was a, when I was a young boy, there was this really, 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 really awful comic book, and it was literally a knockoff of another book. It was a total ripoff of the Fantastic Four. I mean, down to the point where it was, you know, word for word in some cases, the same characters doing the same things in the same patterns. And so somebody said, "Hey, let's change this up." 
And so Len Wein came in and, and, and he got together with this artist, Dave Cockrum, and they're like, well, let's throw in this, this, this dude. And I made up a guy called Nightcrawler and we'll throw in this Wolverine guy. And how about a Russian guy? And ooh, we need an African girl in there too. Let's really shake it all up. And giant size X-Men number one revamped and to some degree rebooted the X-Men franchise, which had never been successful had never really been, you know, anything more than rack filler for Marvel Comics. And all of a sudden, people started reading it. And I don't know if you know this, guys, but they may have more than one X-Men title per month now. Wow. What? I know. What is this? In November, November alone, I think we're getting like eight X-Men books. Yeah. All, well, not all number ones. A couple of them number ones. But eight X Men ongoing books. Mm-hmm. There's like five just for schism. That right there was a yeah. schism. I like the schism because it makes me sound like Bill Cosby when I talk about my Joe putting. <laughs> so Matthew, do you think do you think giant sized X Men is an <laughs> example of a really super successful relaunch, or do you have some others in mind? Absolutely, it is a, a super successful example of a relaunch, and. It is probably the prototypical example that I would use when comic book people start telling me, well, this is going to suck because it's a reboot. Steven. Matthew. Tell me something. Rodrigo. Have you ever read any? (laughs) (laughs) Checkmate. You ever read any Legion of Superheroes comics, Steven? Oh, I've read a few here and there. Some from the 60s. Some from the... 80s, some from the 90s, some from the two, the 20 aught, double aughts. The aughts. The 20 aughts. Which are your Some favorites? of them I did. Some of them I did. When you look at the Archie Legion, the ones that came out in the 90s, big fan of those. And that was essentially a reboot of uh, the, the, the classic Legion of Superhero characters that uh, have been around since uh, Superboy was was walking around in his Dr. Denton's in, in downtown Smallville. That, if I'm not mistaken, spun out of the events of Zero Hour, which was yep. DC's attempt to fix all the continuity errors that sprang up as a result of Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. And I remember that summer when Zero Hour was occurring, the universe was whittling away, Wave Rider was out doing his thing, and then, boom, whoops, hit the mic, boom, all new number ones, all new zero issues, mm-hmm. uh, basically recounting the origin of many of the heroes, allowing Batman and Superman and some of these characters who have been around for decades to be updated for the modern time. And you know what? For what it was worth, even though everyone hated Wave Rider, and even though the ending of that story was changed at the last minute because it got leaked on the internet, or uh, not the internet, but in the... They used how did they? How did that get leaked, Matthew? Uh, Armageddon 2001? That, yeah, 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 the follow-up to that. Armageddon um, 2001 actually got leaked on the Usenet. Okay, I'm trying to... Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was fascinating that Zero Hour was a way, again, a great jumping on point for people to get in on this ground floor of what was going on in, in comics. And yeah. for better or worse, Zero when, Hour was when seven, you come several years later. Yeah, when you get but, when you yeah, get I'm in sure. on the ground floor of 
of what Zero Hour did and what it did specifically to the Legion and what it did to uh, other characters. Now, and I don't know, when did Burns at Superman? Was that, that wasn't after, that was before Zero Hour? 86. Okay, so that was before Zero Burns Hour. Burns Superman was 86. That came out of the Crisis on Infinite Earths. No, that's right. But that would be another example of a successful relaunch. So I think Legion and, and Superman after, after Crisis, I think, are great examples of successful relaunches. I think um, Absolutely. even going back into uh, the, the kickoff of the Silver Age, when you're relaunching Flash uh, as Barry Allen, yep. who grew up reading the adventures of uh, uh, Jay Garrick, Jay Garrick. Um, that's an example of a great relaunch. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what about you? Yeah. Certainly, there have got to be relaunches that you have sat down and said, I cannot wait to read this new number one. Certainly not. I hate all relaunches. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Um, yeah, I mean, relaunching. Gi- like, uh, Giant Size X-Men is a great example, but l- I think, you know, if you look at the Marvel Universe right now, um, one of the guys who is everywhere, who everybody loves, is Deadpool. Deadpool did not start out... Like the the Deadpool personality is not the original Deadpool personality. Oh, the schizo comedy, right? No nope. writing team of Deadpool and Deadpool. When Deadpool was first created, he was a straight up, as straight as possible, uh, Deathstroke knockoff to the point where he had basically the same name. Still does, right? Um, but uh, eventually, other writers got a hold of him. You know, there was that. Uh, early 2000s late 90s no yeah uh deadpool run mm-hmm. um where he fights that guy with the band-aid over his nose and crap and him and blind oh, Alfred yeah, yeah, and all. yeah um him and this blind old lady are hanging out and he's having all these weird adventures and this kind of all entirely tangential to the rest of the marvel universe mm-hmm. that that is largely where that character gelled i think from from what i've read um oh Oh yeah, certainly. And and that that is the mo- that was a relaunch of Deadpool basically. Deadpool prior to that, although other people had touched on it, um was at best a guy who dressed like Spider-Man and acted like the Punisher. Mhm. And that's all he had going for him. And eventually yep. he turned into a guy who was meaner than spider-man and did not have the punisher's code of ethics to 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 go on so you know he he eventually became his own guy and that is why i believe he's successful now you know i mean he's the spider exactly um but but done in such a way that it actually works you know uh, which batman do you like Mm -hmm. which batman do you like do you like adam west batman oh do you like right so, do you like Frank Miller Batman? Do you like Grant Morrison Batman? Do you like no. Batman with really tall ears? Do you like Batman with little nubby ears? Right. Do you like smiling, punch you in the face Batman? Do you like hairy chested love god Batman? Right. Do you like gritty? We did it with our masks on because that was hotter <laughs> Batman. You know which Batman do you like? All of those are just diff- are basically relaunches of Batman. Right. And the one that we. Batman with super grim Batman who still hangs out with the Justice League. Give him five minutes to prepare. He'll take down anybody Batman that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. That's an entirely different Batman from even 
Justice League Unlimited Batman, which clearly draw some inspiration from it, but they're different guys, they're different characters, and each one of those basically constitutes their own relaunch of the character. And you see that with the more popular characters. You know, would Superman at any point in the Silver Age or Golden Age have renounced his American citizenship? Certainly not. Yeah. But there's a there's a Superman out there for whom that makes sense, and that is a different take on the character. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to what I was talking about with Wave Rider, Matthew, you're right in correcting me about the Armageddon 2001 thing. But you know what? That is one of those big events that actually took a couple of years because didn't it? it what started in Armageddon took a couple of years to spill out into Zero Wave, Hour. Yeah. And that's where I was confused because the two are tied together. Wave but they're an attempt to clear up that continuity. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's where I oh, was yeah. really. Yeah, it's, and- it's pretty crazy. Armageddon 2001 and Zero Hour were actually uh, revamps that got revamped or rebooted after the fact mm-hmm. because the realities of the books, realities of the DC Universe changed, and so the changes were made as they went. I think that, yeah. and I, I made this point a couple of weeks ago, all comic books have the possibility, and in fact, the extremely likely possibility that something is going to be retconned away. Right. When I started reading comics, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, had a buzz cut, didn't have any powers, and had given her her costume and name to somebody else. Now she's back, and it's like she was the only Spider-Woman there ever was, to the point where mm-hmm. all the other Spider-Women had to change their name. And there were like eight of them. So these things, they take place and they change, and there's kind of like an endless give and take like the tides tides come in tides go out you can't explain that but there's also another example that i'm very much fond of and very much aware of um when i was a kid steven and i used to watch a a tv show on the pbs and that that tv show went away about the time we went to college and a few years ago some schmuck said i'm gonna bring this old show back and everybody said you can't do that that'll never be successful oh you're an idiot and then the first season of doctor who in 2005 pretty Mm -hmm. much got everything right straight out of the gate they cast they cast a known actor and a known actress in the lead roles they re i mean they reimagined everything while still taking into account the things that may or may not have come before and it wasn't necessarily a reboot, although there was a reboot aspect to it. And they, they relaunched that character in New Adventures to the point where they're ridiculously popular. That- Boop. See if he comes back. Three, two, one. Most people don't remember. We had to wait like 18 months to see in America. Oh, yeah. Now after the people in Europe. Hello? Yep. Yep. You're still there. Now we got you. Okay, I thought I went away. I'm you back. did, but you came back. You phased you in and out of existence. You 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 missed nothing. What did I miss? The doctor, the doctor came in, uh, and Rodrigo and I, I had an ad- a fantastic voyage across the universe that lasted twenty two years. And now we're back. Something real quick on that. Yeah, um, you know, I had a I had a character on on City of Heroes that I that I primarily played with, and um, my I used to have this. The computer that I played with was really slow, mm-hmm. so it would take me forever to load into missions. So I started making up all these stories about what that <laughs> what every time my character on. went through a door, yeah, 
Sometimes she got transported to a different dimension and had all of these awesome adventures while she was loading into a, a, a mission. Yeah. And then I would tell the other guys about it and they were like, that's stupid. <laughs> Noob. <laughs> By the way, uh, Joe Kelly, Ed McGinnis, I think, was that, that, that Deadpool run. Oh, okay. In like 97 yep. it started. Okay. All right. What other successful relaunches? Doctor Who, Flash, Superman, Legion, yep. Deadpool. Yep. Um, when I was a kid, you know what I used to watch every Saturday night? What's that? Hat Happy Days. My grandmother loved the Happy Days, and we would watch the Happy Days. And Happy Days was all about this kid, Richie, and his two best friends and their adventures in high school. And then it started getting to the point where Richie was too old to be in high school. And all of a sudden, it changed. And it was it was a story about, about the Fonz, this former delinquent who, you know, is a, a greaser in the late 50s and how everything changes to be around him. It was almost like they relaunched that show as a whole new show around that character. And it was just as good in a different way. Right. And lasted another seven, eight years under that new thing. And honestly, the first three seasons of Happy Days and the seasons that came afterwards, not taking into account the shark jumping. Right. Which, by the way, atypically, jumping the shark did not ruin this show. It was not ruined for a good two seasons until after that shark was jumped. But that's neither here nor there. It might as well have been something different. When Ron Howard left the show, they could have canceled it. In today's yep. environment, they probably would have. But they well, retooled you know, it, and they, you know, they the, relaunched it with what they had. Right. When you when you think about something like that, Ron Howard leaving, they would have canceled it today. Actually, in that '70s show, remember the yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. kid, the, the Topher Grace, Topher left. Grace left, true. and that show went on for like two more seasons. Yep. He went on uh, missionary. Uh, that's very true. What's what's his face? Uh, yeah, Mister Demi Moore. Topher Grace. No, I, I was I was gonna say uh, Zach Braff left oh, Scrubs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, he yeah. did. You know what's interesting about, you know, Happy sure. Days. Happy Days is actually a show that spun off from a story that appeared in um, Love American Style, this like yep. sitcom anthology show huh. that took place. And it's interesting because then it's if true. you look at if you look at Happy Days, it spun off a number of shows. It spun off Laverne and Shirley, yep. which in itself yep. spun off uh, the Carmine Lagusa show, mm-hmm. right? Happy Days actually was the first appearance of Mork from Orc, which later became right. the Mork and Mindy Mork and show. Mindy. Um, then you've got, of course, the ever-popular uh, uh, Joni Loves Chachi, mm-hmm. which then eventually <laughs> spun off spun off into Karate Kid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's funny how one show, Love American Style, can spin off, and there may be other shows that were, were created from skits inside mm-hmm. that show. But it's funny how that created Happy Days, which led to at least five or six other shows that ran Do you- from from the 70s all the way through and almost up until the 90s. Mm-hmm. Do you remember oh. the spinoff from Happy Days about the angel? No, I don't think I do. Highway to Heaven? I never no, watched it. you probably didn't. No, it was, I can't remember the name of it. Um, it was late... It was like, the, I want to say 1979, 1980, but it was kind of a Mork and Mindy type book and or type show. And I think it actually did a Mork and Mindy crossover. But initially, it was basically this angel in training. It was kind of like um, It's a Wonderful Life where he's trying to earn his wings as a guardian angel. 
Mm-hmm. But it actually spun out of Happy Days almost the wow. same way Mork and Mindy did, which is kind of cool. Huh. Uh, oh, Out of the Blue? And it did is like that the seven, one? seven episodes. No, Out of the Blue is a yeah. spin-off from Happy yeah, Days? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think let's so. see. No? Uh, then they have Blank- Blansky's Beauties. Wow. It was another that. show that spun off from that uh, as a cousin of Howard Cunningham. That's, that's cool. pretty weird. That, that's kind of... Oh, well, there was, uh, and and now we've kind of gotten into spinoffs, but the whole, like, Perfect Stranger, or Family Matters is a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Family Matters true. is true. a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Yes. Harriet Winslow was the elevator operator at the newspaper, right, that the, that, that the American, co- yeah. Don't, don't be ridiculous. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, and you uh, and and let's follow that. Perfect Strangers gives us Harriet Winslow, which then gets her own show. Right, becomes Family Matters. Family Matters, right? Which then two episodes <laughs> in introduces Steve Urkel. Right. Probably one episode later gets relaunched as essentially the Steve Urkel yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's probably a yeah. season later. Yeah, but yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. Step by Step spin off of Family Matters? I might have. I know that there were uh, Family Matters Full House crossovers. Well, that's what I'm. I, that you've got me all confused in those shows because that was at a time where I was not watching okay. sitcoms. That was a that was that a was time when school. I was watching sitcoms. We were watching I was learning. I was learning English from them. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I, w- I would have liked to meet you when you were learning English. Yes, that would have been pretty awesome. Did I do wow, that, you know, Matthew? That that question out of the blue that that show. Ran oh, from September yeah. 9th to December sixteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Nine yeah, episodes. And I remember every episode, and it was canceled. I here's here's I here's another good one because at that point in time, my grandmother would not watch anything that wasn't on ABC. Hmm. Here's here's another good one that I like. Anybody remember the Tracy Ullman show? Yes, Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's a good. Relaunch spinoff, mm-hmm. right? Got repackaged as its own show. Simpsons Bam! Did. You got The Simpsons r- has run for thirty nine thousand years. Too now. long, in my opinion. I think I think it's it's come back to being an okay Steven show. Unfortunately, The Simpsons can't just do okay anymore. Well, and then if you look at Family mm-hmm. Guy, mm-hmm. look at the show that it's that it's spun off the. Um, uh, Oh, American Dad? Yeah, not American Dad, but the other one. Uh, oh, the Cleveland, Cleveland show. Cleveland show, right. right? Um, I'm trying to think, what are some other successful uh, spinoff television shows? Oh, God, I, there's millions of them. Well, you've got MASH, which led to after MASH. MASH in itself was from a movie, mm-hmm. right? So in a sense, that could be a successful yeah. relaunch. Oh, yeah. Um. Basically every uh, every James Ooh, Bond movie ever who, made. Who brought this up recently? Um, the autistic kid from uh, 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 Saint Elsewhere. Oh, from Saint Elsewhere, the Tommy Westfall theory. Probably yeah, the, Bruce. The, Bruce Otter. Yes, that that's theory. the one who pointed it out. Have you? Have, are you familiar with this theory? That Tommy Westfall basically. It's kind of follows along Matthew's theory uh-huh. of Franklin Richards controls Marvel time. Right. Tommy Westfall controls yep. television uh, in that people have graphed out all of these cross appearances of characters from St. Elsewhere yeah. and shows that have spun off directly from St. Elsewhere mm-hmm. that yeah. tie them all back into Tommy Westfall's mind. Uh, so, for example, um, 
in one episode of Cheers, the doctors from St. Elsewhere yeah. come in as themselves and sit down at Cheers. So the entire Cheers universe is therefore right, part right. of Tommy Westfall's mind. Therefore, Frasier, which is a spinoff of Cheers, mm. is part of Tommy Westfall's mind. Um, yeah. The Hill Street Blues, I think, was in the same street or the same location as St. Allegis uh, yeah. Hospital. Uh, and Hill Street Blues spun off this show and this show, and pretty soon you go, you're all the way down into um, your favorite uh, NBC show, Law and Order. Law and Order. All of that which resides of course, in Homicide and Homicide Law and Order. Off on the streets, yep. Special Victims Unit, all that stuff. And they crossed over with Tommy the X Files. There's a crossover with the yep. X Files. There is a crossover with um, uh, what's that uh, uh, kid show from Canada? Um, Degrassi. Degrassi. The whole Degrassi universe is part of yep. Tommy Westfall's mind because in one episode they're in the you hospital and over the intercom they're paging uh, one of the doctors yep. continuously and they make sure that you hear that in the show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Star Trek ties in to wow. the oh, really? Tommy Westfall hypothesis. I can't remember how, but I think it has something to do with uh, one of the companies that they say actually uh, created. Or help to create the enterprise because you know Yo Yo Dine mm-hmm. Industries. Oh well, you know, and, and that's the thing is Cybernet. We're both. I think in that theory they specifically keep it towards the realm of um, television shows only, and they don't go into movies because if you went into movies with the Yo Yo Dine thing, um, the Buckaroo Bonsai mm-hmm. universe would be part of the Tommy Westfall mind because all of the Johns work at Yo Yo Dine propulsion systems, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that's kind of interesting. So let's um, the the Green Hornet, the monkeys, and Batman. Yeah. All tied together one way or another, and yeah. they all tied into Hogan's Heroes, which ties into Green Acres, which ties into the Petticoat Junction, which ties into the Brady Bunch, which then somehow ties back all the way to St. Elsewhere. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon on a global scale. Beverly, Amazing. Beverly Hills 90210 spun off Melrose Place, Models, Inc. Now, now some the of new these are very tenuous, because the, the monkeys Westfall's thing ones? is... In one episode of The Monkees, Burgess Meredith shows up in full penguin attire and makes a joke and then disappears. Right. But they consider that to be a crossover between The Monkees and Batman, of course. Batman crossed over with the Addams Family in one of those teasers where they're climbing up the wall and mm-hmm. someone leans oh, yeah, out yeah, the window and it was Lurch. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The same thing happened with Colonel Hogan, which is how you tie to Hogan's heroes. You know, it's it's one of those things where these people are extremely tight in yeah. how closely they comb for these things. It's fascinating. If you I haven't read it, Rodrigo, go check I'll, it out. I spent some I spent some time a couple of weeks ago going through that because I think Bruce or somebody sent me a really cool infographic on the new updated Tommy Westfall mm-hmm. grid. Mm-hmm. That's all done in in shaped balls. The the lar- larger the circle, the more closely tied it is to the mm-hmm. series. Whereas the uh, original yep. Tommy Westville grid is actually like a street map where here are the two main intersections yep. right. and then, it's, then it, it like spins off from that. Branches it's, it's, out. If people haven't seen that, it is worth checking out and, and nice. certainly worth uh, worth seeing. And All right. Uh, famous, everything is in there. Yeah, it is. It's really spooky to the point where we may be living inside Tommy Westville's mm-hmm. head. I'm just waiting for the ground to shake and snow to start falling. So, mm. uh, Speaking of that, uh, <laughs> well, successful relaunches. Yes, it is. We haven't had an earthquake here in about 20 years. A little, uh, yeah, no, over that's not years. true. We had one when I was in college. Hey, no, that's when we were in college, yep. 20 years ago. Um, we're oh, talking about our, oh. our most successful relaunches. I have here in my hand X-Men 2099 
Number one. Wow. <laughs> uh, signed I thought you by were talking about successful. <laughs> John Francis Moore and Tom Smith. This is number 2526 out of 9,500 autograph copies of X-Men 2099 number one. We want you to go into the comments section for this show and tell us your favorite successful relaunch. Maybe it doesn't have to be successful, but just yeah. maybe your favorite relaunch and why it's your favorite relaunch. And in a week, you have seven days to complete. I will go in and find a winner from all of the what I think is the best answer. I'll pick a winner and award them X-Men 2999. 99 cover price of a dollar down from 2150 <laughs> autographed by John Francis Moore and Tom Smith. We'll send that to you. This is uh, this of course Francis. is thanks to uh, gatekeeper comics and hobbies, Hunt and engage Topeka. We thank them so much for uh, providing us with these giveaways that we can send to you. And in coming months and in coming weeks, we've got a whole stack of comics to give away. Oh, having having trouble picking That's up that stuff. Stuff here, It's a huge stack. We've got uh, X Men one half. We've got Amazing Spider Man number two ninety eight. Thirty six dollar value autographed by Todd McFarlane. Ooh, who's that McFarlane dude? You know, he did that whole Spawn thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, talk, talk about a successful relaunch. You remember when uh, Talk <laughs> McFarlane relaunched Spider Man and yeah. Spawn? Yep. Uh, we've got some Batman you books remember when signed they by Jeff Loeb. Is the haunt? We've got uh, Batman autographed by Jim Lee. A couple of Jim Lee autographed Batmans. I remember when they re- when we've they got launched something in uh, there autographed by Herb Trimpey. Jeff Loeb, Max Born from Max Comics. Oh, look at this! We've got an That's Infinite Crisis number one signed by Michael Bear. Infinite Crisis number two. Signed by Jim Lee. Green Lantern. Signed by Benjamin Robb. Uh, what do we got here? We've got Rogue number one. Signed by Robert Rohde. Oh, we do have a Spawn number one. Signed by Todd McFarlane. Ooh. I'm not going to give that away this week when we talk relaunches. Spider-Man Wolverine. Signed by John Romita. John uh-huh. Romita Sr. Well, uh, hello, this filing one's going to find its way to my filing cabinet. Hello, hello, hello. Supreme Powers, signed by Gary Frank. Uh, a couple of Wolverine books. I wonder why Matthew sent those that my way. Uh, signed by Derek Robertson. One of those is signed by Herb Trimpey. And Herb, Herb Trimpey and Derek Robertson. Here's a Wolverine signed by John Romita Jr. Here's a Wolverine signed by Sean Chen. And here's a Wolverine signed by Frank Thierry. So... All of those coming your way in coming months, providing that you participate over at Majorspoilers.com in the comment section or in other contests. We're going to give away, we've got some other contests coming up, I, I think, that are going to be pretty cool. Of course, the Major Spoilers costume contest will be launched very soon, but we'll be giving away a bunch of stuff. I got a whole pile of stuff, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. that I have to get out of this house, and we're going to give it all away. Statues, toys, sounds, action figures. Sounds good to me, man. It's difficult to walk around. A I know kid. it is. I'm going to have given away a couple sure of kids. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Zeta Project. Oh, you know, that is a great spinoff from Batman the Animated yeah. Series, which in itself is a spinoff of the um, the Batman Animated Series. Yeah. Right? Batman, Batman Beyond, which includes wait. the Zeta Project, which also includes Static Shock, mm-hmm. which then ties back into Justice League 
in Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. because they all appeared in those. Well, of course, they're the same universe. Right. But I just found the Zeta Project. When I found out that that was part of the Batman Beyond universe, I was like, what? Yeah. And then you follow that that arc, and you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> and it just tracked down some Zeta Project. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen a couple episodes. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, I think I have a, a complete copy, used copy of uh, the complete Batman animated series Ooh. to give away. So, one of a couple of them haven't even been opened yet, so. Nice. All in coming months, because we love you, the spoilerites. We love you for downloading the show. We love you for going over to the site and putting up comments and reading and clicking on the ads. And we love those of you who are able to donate, making a one-time donation, or a 2 5 or $10 a month recurring donation. We really appreciate that. And we really appreciate, every, appreciate everyone who's gone over to the Majorspoilers.com slash store, the Majorspoilers store, and purchased a shirt or two, or in the coming weeks and months, we will add more to that growing collection of stuff. More shirts. Why? Yeah, I'm designing like a shirt a week. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we want to keep doing it. Steven doesn't like any of them, though. Well, it's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't have time to sit down and (laughs) make their asterized art that they need at the printers. All right, everybody, we will see you next time. Why? Because we love comics and we know you do too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. It's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, wow, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2011.